0: The High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor Chris Starr. I want you to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Acts, chapter 2. And uh, today, in the church world, in Christendom, today is Pentecost Sunday. It is a Sunday when in the church across the world we commemorate and remember the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that took place in Acts chapter two. And I want to and, and since we're a Pentecostal church, a spirit-filled church, then I, I, I thought this would be a good day to preach on the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And so I want to begin reading. I want to read the account in Acts chapter two, beginning at verse one. It says when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they, which would have been the, the early church, they were all with one accord in one place how many knows you need to get to church you need to have your mind right you need to have don't have your mind everywhere else you need to have your mind here what god's doing and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting notice there was no wind it was a sound of wind the curtains didn't move but it was hurricane gale force wind sound that filled the house And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. How many of you know there is a Pentecostal experience for everybody here? There's an individual experience for you, see? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak as if it's something that started and continued. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. They see they were there for the feast. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans, How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. And so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? others mocking said they are full of new wine they're drunk now i want to go to verse 37 verse 37 peter preaches to this crowd and here's what happened now when they heard this they were cut to the heart and said to peter and the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do then peter said to them repent And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or forgiveness of sins. I love this. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Get ready. For the promise is to you and to your children. And then it jumps all the way to the 21st century. Right here to Anderson, South Carolina in the year 2021. And to all who are afar off as many as the Lord our God will call. And how many of you know God's calling you to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Come on give God praise this morning before you're seated So thank you you can be seated. So when this story took place, thousands of Jews had converged on Jerusalem from all over the world for the Feast of Pentecost. It was a Jewish feast. it was a feast you were required to go to Jerusalem and to attend. They were religious people used to doing religious things that had little or no impact on on their lives. In other words, theirs was a dead, dry religion that was based on God, but it was void of God. And what's interesting is on this particular day, while they went through the motions in the temple, the early church members were praying in a house. And it was on this day, the Feast of Pentecost, that they experienced the manifested presence and power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. The prophet Joel had predicted this years hundreds of years before in Joel 2:28-29 it goes like this and it shall come to pass afterward or in the last days says the lord that i will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams your young men shall see visions and also on my men servants and on my maid servants i will pour out my spirit in those days let me tell you this morning that The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for everybody that's born again. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for men and women. It's for young and old, for rich and poor. It doesn't matter what rung you are on. When it comes to the socioeconomic ladder of society, you can be filled with the Holy Ghost. If you're black, white, Latino, Asian... It doesn't matter what your ethnicity or nationality, it doesn't make a difference to God. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that particular day, approximately 120 believers were baptized with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues. Can you imagine the awesomeness of that day? It would be cool to go back in a time machine and experience that outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Well, when the disciples, or rather the crowd, heard the disciples, and those 120 disciples, if you will, heard them speaking in tongues, heard the sound of the rushing mighty wind, several things occurred. And I want to point these out to you. Thousands of people now outside this house. And the first thing that I noticed is that the sounds of Pentecost got their attention. It got their attention. What they heard could not be ignored. They just couldn't walk past the house and not stop. It gripped them. It couldn't be overlooked. Uh, We've been keeping the boys, two of the grandsons, uh, Jaron and his wife had to go to Kentucky. They took the baby with them for a wedding, uh, one of his college uh, buddies. And so we kept Bo and Barrett. And we spent a lot of time outside this weekend because if you don't, they will destroy your house. And so we kept them outside a lot. And I noticed that particularly, I think it was yesterday, uh, Lee and I were outside with them playing and I heard this car alarm go off, but it was the strangest thing. I thought, well, that's not so strange, but it got my attention. But then it was moving. So somebody was driving a car with a car alarm going off. I don't know if they stole it or what. But that's not something you hear every day is a car alarm moving down the road. But that's what happened. But the thing is, we stopped what we were doing because it got our attention. We, we couldn't just... We just couldn't ignore that. That's what car alarms are supposed to do. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. It was a divine occurrence. So let me just say this to you. It's a really obvious point. How many of you will testify that God knows how to get your attention when he wants to get it? God will get your attention. He can use a billboard. He can use a preacher. He can use a song on the radio. He can use a conversation with somebody at work, or if he needs to, he'll use supernatural means. But God knows how to get your attention. That's why in this church, I am all for the gifts of the Spirit, including those revelatory gifts like tongues and interpretation and prophecy. Tongues and interpretation don't bother me because the Bible says they are a sign to the unbeliever. is a way for God. I have been in church where you have somebody that's not saved, and they're sitting through church with their arms crossed like this, just trying to get through the service. The singing doesn't affect them. My preaching doesn't affect them. They're just there because somebody invited them or whatever, and they're just sitting there and unfazed, and then let somebody give out a message in tongues. They will sit up on the edge of their seat, drop their arms, and get eyes like pancakes looking around trying to figure out what's going on. God knows how to get your attention. So that's what happened. The second thing is that the sounds of Pentecost attracted a crowd. Rather than drive people away, the sound drew them in. Did you hear what I said? The sound drew them in. Now the reason I point that out is because we have a crisis in the American church, and it's been going on for a a while. Too many people want to eliminate the sounds of Pentecost from their churches. And I'm not just talking about non-Pentecostal churches. I'm talking about churches that are supposed to be Spirit-filled. There are preachers who've said, we're not going to have any of the gifts of the Spirit. We're not going to have anything that, that you know, people shouting and rejoicing. We're not going to have any of that. If you want to do it in your life group, that's fine. But we don't want the sounds of... Pen-. Why? Because it'll scare the visitors and it'll turn off the guests and, and they see it as unnecessary and they see the move of God as, as something that's foolish. And I love this. It's counterproductive to church growth. As if church 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 growth is the most important. I thought winning souls for Jesus was the most important thing. Okay, you can build a church on a crowd, but you ought to build a church on disciples who've been born again. And so they're all scared to death about if you have those gifts, it'll turn people. Last time I checked, if people come here and they know we're a Pentecostal church, if they wanted a Methodist church, they'd have gone to a Methodist church. If they wanted a Baptist church, they'd have gone to a Baptist church. If they wanted a Presbyterian church, they'd have gone to a Presbyterian church. But if they come to a Pentecostal church, they know what they're getting into. I think we have an obligation not to disappoint them and get out of the way and let God have his way. Come on, somebody in high praises. That's the way I feel about it. It will attract people. Here's the fact. God has a way of using what is foolish to us or to people in general for his divine purposes. You will read this in the Bible that what is foolishness to us actually becomes the wisdom of God. And I contend that there is a magnetism to the things of the spirit that cannot be matched by quality music and professional singing, creative preaching. I love all that stuff, but you better have some anointing on it because it is the anointing of the Holy Spirit that makes the difference in ministry. I would rather hear an average person sing under the anointing than hear the most gifted person in the world sing without the anointing. I remember one time watching some country music awards and Carrie Underwood got on there singing, How Great Thou Art. And and boy, she docked it out of the park. I mean, it was something. But they were panning the crowd, and you could see people voicing, saying, oh, what a voice. Oh, how awesome she is. She's so good. And I sat there, and I got disgusted to my stomach because I thought, here's a woman on not just a stage in a place, but in a national stage through television, singing about the greatness of God Almighty, and the best people can do is talk about how great she is. That's not how it's supposed to work. When we sing, how great thou art, we don't look at anybody up here and see how great singers they are. We want to look at how great God is and what he's done and what he can do and what he's doing in the church and in our lives right now. I would rather have somebody average singing under the anointing because the anointing will enable them. See, when you have somebody that's great singing or even preaching, but they have no anointing, it will impress me. But you let somebody average with an anointing preacher sing and it will impact me. Because God uses it. See, the the anointing then takes that to touch people's hearts in their lives, and that's what we need. People are hungry for more. If I ever hear anything more than ever before in my ministry, uh, this church is growing. We've had people coming in left and right. We've grown through COVID like crazy. I've had conversations, and you know, you want to. You won't believe the number of times people said, I said, why are you here? I'm here because we want more. And we've heard that this church, we asked, and they said, this is a church where you can experience the Holy Spirit. This is a church where the presence and the power of God is. we want more. And I'm telling you, the COVID, the pandemic has shaken people. They've realized that people can die. They've had family members die. They've had family members go through this great crisis. They've realized that the economy can get rocked, all these things. And people are saying, we've had enough of that superficial religion. We want want to go someplace where God is. There are 95, maybe more now, million, 95 million millennials in the United States. They are the largest of the workforce in our demographic. They are the most technologically savvy and they are the most educated group. And they have left the church in droves. They created a category to describe them called the nuns. N-O-N-E-S. And that's because when they asked them, what is your church affiliation? They said, we have none. They've left the church. It used to be 25%. That group has moved to 30%. 30% of of millennials have no affiliation. But yet here's what else has been happening among the millennials in America. They said we're sick and tired of dead, dry church. We're sick and tired of going to a seeker-sensitive church where there's some lesson and it's about that deep. We're tired of it. We want to go someplace where we can feel God and have an experience. We want a transcendent experience. And what is happening in America and around the world is that the millennials are flocking to Pentecostal churches left and right. And they're coming in saying, I want to leave church and say I felt God I experienced God I had an encounter with God and they want their children to grow up in a church where they can experience and know the presence and power of the Holy Ghost they want more and we better not disappoint them high praises that's why I want the move of God That's I feel like I'm still in a revival hallelujah I'm still preaching I just carry this with me I guess but I want more I want the move of God in this church how about y'all I want the move of God. I want God to have His way. It's his, last time I checked, it's His church anyway. Come on, somebody. And here's the next thing the sound, so the sound got their attention, the sound attracted a crowd, the sound caused some confusion. Now, when we say confusion, that usually has a negative connotation, but there's, there is a positive connotation here. I, I, don't, I don't mean that there was abuse or something was out of order. order. Rather, it says everyone heard them speak in his own language. And this confused them but in a positive way. Let me explain to you my understanding of what happened on the day of Pentecost. 120 believers are in the upper room. They're praying. God pours out the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues. Classical Pentecostals in their theology do not believe that when you are—here's what we believe. Let me tell you what we believe For what we don't believe. What we believe is that when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you will speak in other tongues because that's what happened in the Bible. It is not the only evidence, but it's the initial evidence. Y'all with me? It's the first thing that happens, but there'll be other evidences. Okay. That's what we believe. What we don't believe is that when you when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you speak in tongues, that you're going to speak some language on earth that you don't know, like Greek or Italian or French. That's we don't believe that. You can't, you'll be hard-pressed to find. So here's what we believe. We believe it's a heavenly language. That's what I've always heard it. But I found a new Phraseology for this that I'm adding to my vocabulary that I'm going to share with my church. I've heard it written like this: that we believe in a transrational language. It's transrational. It's 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 rational, but it's just transrational. It's it 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 supersedes or transcends my ability to understand. If you go to 1 Corinthians, it said, "When someone speaks in tongues, no man understands him; he speaks in mysteries." So it is a language, but it's you know. Paul said, "Though I speak with the tongues of men and of Angels, nobody ever stops to think there's an angelic language. We just thought everybody in in heaven speaks English, southern English. They say y'all up there. God looks at the angels and says, all y'all, come here. Got an assignment for you. That's not how it works. The angels have their own language, okay? Okay. We have people in this church from all over. We have Ukrainians and Serbians and Russians, and we have Latinos. They speak Spanish and Serbian and Ukrainian and Russian, and, and they probably think that in heaven, they everybody speaks Russian or everybody speaks Spanish. It, it's not. There's a heavenly language, okay? I'm messing with your head this morning, but I'm trying to get you to think. And so there, when you speak in tongues, there is a transrational language. It is the Spirit giving you the words to say, and it is a heavenly, divine language. But it seems like the 12 apostles... Okay, Judas has been replaced. Go outside, and the crowd is out there. The sounds of Pentecost has pulled a congregation in. And so the 12 now go out, and they're still speaking in tongues. God changes what was a transrational language into a rational known language. It's just not known to them. So that's why I took the time to read all those languages. So they're speaking, one of them speaking Egyptian, and one of them speaking Cretan, and one of them speaking Arabian, and one of them speaking whatever, Pamphylian, and one of them speaking the dialect of, of Phrygia, whatever. They're speaking, they don't know that they're speaking it, they think they're still speaking in a transrational language. This caused confusion. Because they said everyone heard them speak in his own language. And the reason I know that it's the 12 apostles, because they said, are not all these men who speak Galileans. There were women in the upper room. How many know, did you know this? Mary, the mother of Jesus, was in the upper upper room. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a full-blown Pentecostal tongue-talking woman. Somebody go tell the Catholics. Hail Mary, mother of grace, full of the Holy Ghost and fire. I wonder if they'll add that on their prayer. She was. See, y'all didn't know that, did you? It's in the Bible. Go read Acts 1. She was full of the Holy Ghost and fire, tongue-tongue. But it says, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Every one of the 12 apostles, let's go back to Judas Iscariot. Every one of the 12 apostles, original 12 apostles, guess where they were from? Galilee, except one. Guess which one was from Judea? Judas. And he's dead because he went out and did what? Hanged himself. So it said, aren't all these men? So I think the 12 apostles, who's now Matthias, takes Judas's place, go out, and they're from all from Galilee. They're a bunch of country boys. And they said, the best these boys can do is speak Aramaic and maybe a little Hebrew. How is it these unlearned, ignorant men know how to speak these languages? It was supernatural. That's why. And I want to tell you, we need this kind of confusion in this church. Not the wrong kind of confusion, because if you bring the wrong kind of confusion, we operate by the Barney Fife Nip it, nip it, nip it. And between me and the elders, we'll nip it. We're not going to let that happen in this church. We need a positive kind of confusion, though. What is that? We need the kind where our natural order of things is interrupted and disrupted by the supernatural power of God. You know, I have a piece of paper up here, and it's got a format. Look right there. Sunday morning worship. Right there, there's a format. We have an order of service. They even put the time on there. Nine o'clock, how great thou art, B-flat, Lance. We even know the key and who is singing it. I have it every Sunday, but you notice I never look at it. I know what the format is. We have order. We value order. We strive for excellence. And that's important. But I want you to understand, most of you already know this. I'm preaching to the choir, I guess. But we always, with, capa, with all caps, we always leave room for divine interruptions in this church. Our prayer each week, and I'm not making this up. I don't make anything up when I preach. Our prayer each week is this. Holy Spirit, please show up, show forth, show up your power, manifest your presence power, God. We got to have a move of God on Sunday morning because if you don't, we're going to start fasting and praying until you do. I, I want when we come together on Sunday morning that you experience the power of Almighty God. It's our heart's desire. Holy Spirit, have your way. That's what we pray. And so it doesn't bother me when the musicians sing, sing the same song over. I mean, I did it this morning with them. It doesn't bother me if They do a song they didn't practice. Sometimes Billy flows. It's called The Flow. And I've been talking to Pastor Billy. I said, if you're up here and it's not on the format and you just feel like we need to sing an old song, I said, do it. I do. I just get up here sometimes, start singing. I do it. He said, why do you do that? Is it because they didn't sing good enough? Are you trying to show them up? No, that's stupid carnal song. I do it because I feel the Holy Ghost telling me to do it. And they just jump in there with me. And if they don't know it, they just stand there and look a mule looking at a gate but i don't care because i'm gonna flow right pastor billy we float because it's god's church and it might be that that one old song or that one song singing one time may be what one person needs somebody contemplating suicide and yet they hear how much god loves them and cares for them and then they don't go do what they should do somebody who's in drug addiction hears they can be set free from the power of god and god sets them free come on somebody Some sinner hears that, you know, as low down as I am and as much as I've spent my life wasting it and God can't love me, God can't save me, and yet we're singing about the power of the blood in the name of Jesus to wash every sin away and turn you from a sinner into a saint. Honey, he did it for the rest of us. He can do it for you. Come on. God is able. I want God to have his way. That's why things like that don't bother me. It doesn't bother me when people come to the altars in the middle of the service. That's a move of God. It doesn't bother me when God tells me to put away my message and give an altar call. I've done it. Used to be I'd carry a Bible up here in notes and I don't do it often, but there have been times I have got ready to preach. I have shut my Bible and said, get to this altar, I'm not preaching tonight." That doesn't bother me because that's a move of God. It doesn't bother me when someone gives out a message in tongues. There's an interpretation in tongues. It happened in the last service. It doesn't bother me when the gifts of the Spirit are in operation. Why? Because these are the kind of interruptions that we need more than ever before. So there were the sounds of Pentecost. I want to tell you a story to set up. That was my introduction, by the way. (laughs) It was a Saturday, June 1st. I have the date. I actually wrote it down, Saturday, but I don't know if it was 1999 or 2000, but I'm pretty sure it was either 1999 or 2000. We had just started the church I was outside of my driveway washing my car and I was getting down, squatting to do the tires, I guess, and I, and I love to do, sometimes I find points where I can use a word unbeknownst to me. I find these places where I can slide these words in I don't normally use. Without my knowledge, when I squatted down, I stepped right in the middle of a giant fire ants' nest. Because my legs were wet, I couldn't feel them crawling up and they crawled up my leg Without me knowing I'm washing, and then they give that little signal, and they all bite you at once. And, of course, when that happened, I knew immediately. I didn't really think much about it because I've been bitten by things and never really had a problem. And so I just kept trying to wash the car, and then I started itching. And I went in the house, and I'm like, man, I'm itching all over, and my hands were itching. And I got in the floor and started rubbing my palms on the carpet, doing carpet burns, trying to get my hands to stop itching. I started feeling myself swell a little bit, so I had enough sense to take my wedding band off, and I went in the bathroom and got a couple of Benadryl, 50 milligrams of Benadryl, and popped them. And then I started closing up, and I couldn't breathe. And I called for Leah, and she came running, and she told me later, she said, when I saw you, she said, you had blown up at this point. She said, you look like a monster. She said, you were distorted because you were so swollen. And she said, get in the car. We're getting you to the hospital. And I said, get me in the car. I can't breathe. And they rushed me to the hospital down here in downtown Flew down Midway, Calhoun, got in. That was the quickest I ever got, saw anybody get through uh, ER because they just love to hold you there for 12, 24 hours, whatever, you know. I guess they're bored or lonely, but they keep you there a long time. And you ever notice that? All the nurses are laughing at me right now. Not this time. They got my name, address, phone number, got my insurance card and wheeled me back ran an iv and the nurse came in immediately with a needle she said pastor star i'm about to give you 100 milligrams of liquid benadryl remember i already had 50 in me she said you're going to feel the antihistamine she said immediately you have an immediate effect i said good because i said i can't breathe and she hit that thing and i could feel the antihistamines running through my bloodstream and my wife told me leah said you're you immediately she said your swelling started going down almost instantly and i got relief now, there's a funny part to this story. It has nothing to do with my sermon, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you because I might as well. I've never been in the hospital, never had anything ever happen. This is my first time in the hospital other than, like, broken bones or something. But now, you know, this kind of thing where I'm toying with my life. And so I'm laying there, and, they, you know, I've got 50 milligrams of Benadryl, and they just shot 100 milligrams of liquid Benadryl. That's good for wet else you right there, baby. They run that stuff in. Well, I, I started feeling weird. Because of the Benadryl, I never had that. I thought, oh, God, I'm dying again. I'm dying again. I said, Leah, I'm dying. She said, no. I said I am. I, I'm, I'm hitting the button for the nurse. I said, I don't feel right. I said, so, she said, she, got, she had to get maternal with <laughs> a grown man. She said, Pastor, would you please lay down and give in to it? It's the Benadryl. Lay down. She's pushing me. Lay down. Close your eyes. Leah's over, honey, close. She, at this point, Leah's laughing at me because anything bad happens to me, Leah laughs at me. No sympathy at all from her. And so she's laughing at me, lay down, honey, and I gave in. Boy, that's the best sleep in the world. That'll knock you out. But but anyway, that's the funny part of the story. Here's the point is the fire ants, poison, caused my body to have a severe allergic reaction. And my body responded with the histamines, and that's what was going on. Took the antihistamines to, to get me back to normal. On the day of Pentecost, when they heard the sound of the Holy Spirit being poured out on the church, the people there had... Severe reactions, not allergic reactions, but severe, and that's what I want to preach for the rest of this message. And it's not going to be long, but I want to preach about the reactions of Pentecost. So here's what happened with that massive crowd of thousands. Number one, it's on the screen. The first thing that happens is some marveled. They marveled. In other words, they were amazed and perplexed, and they questioned what was happening. They didn't know what was going on. This was new to them. They had a desire to know what the event was all about. And I put it this way. They were fascinated by the performance of tongues and the outpouring of the Spirit, but they were baffled by the purpose of these things. Loved the performance, baffled by the purpose. And that's why they said, whatever could this mean? And the reason I bring this up is because I'm your shepherd and I know my church and I know that this is resonating with many of you because many of you come from a non-Pentecostal background and you love this church and you love the move of God and you love the Holy Spirit and all that goes with it and the anointing, but you really don't understand You're clueless as to what being filled with the Spirit is about. You hear us talk about being filled with the Spirit. And that's why today I want to challenge you that if you are in this category of, I love it here, but it amazes me, but it still perplexes me, get in your Bible and read the Bible. Read Acts chapter 2, read Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. Read the book of Acts. See what God is doing. See where God fills people with the Holy Spirit. Study it for yourself. That's why I wrote a book. There's a book called I have called When the Natural Meets the Supernatural. I explain these things in that book. Everybody who goes through Growth Track gets a free copy of that book. We give them a copy here, free. Now, if you're not going through Growth Track, you can buy one, praise the Lord, hallelujah because they make me get them, buy them when I print them, but but we've got them available. Get books, study for yourself, and get books from Pentecostals, okay? Get people who understand the things of the Spirit. Study, learn these things. Learn all you can about the Holy Spirit and being filled. In other words, what I'm trying to say is don't allow ignorance of the Spirit to keep you from experiencing the things of the Spirit. Don't do it. Go after God. How many of y'all have ever seen a bench that's been painted and they put a sign on it and it says, wet paint? How many of you are that person that cannot stop yourself and you touch it? Put your hand up with me. You are my people. You're my people. All the rest of all y'all, all the rest of y'all, Y'all late y'all late adopters, aren't you? Y'all play it safe people. Y'all just trust anything and everything, right? Not us. We gotta find out for ourselves. I'm gonna touch it. Grown man. Wet paint. Yep. It's wet. You got tissue. I read what the sign said. I can read. I can trust it. But I needed to find out for myself. You got a Bible? You can read. You can read Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19. You can read it for yourself. Here's the problem. you reading wet paint all day long, and you just trusting that it's real, but you ain't finding out for yourself. And this preacher came here this morning to say to you, if you haven't touched the paint yet, you need to just go ahead and touch the paint. You read the sign, but why don't you touch it and find out for yourself. Satisfy your spiritual curiosity because, if, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm about to shout. Because if you reach out and touch him, he'll touch you back, and you'll feel the power and get filled with the Holy Ghost. You can have an experience just like they did on the Day of Pentecost. Because it's still happening today. So some were perplexed. Then some criticized. A few sneered and made fun of the apostles and said, they're drunk. Let me just talk to you, right? Because I've been a Pentecostal my whole life. My daddy was a Pentecostal preacher. Okay? You will always have critics no matter what you do. People will say that we are a cult. If you tell them you go to a Pentecostal church, high praises. What kind of church is that? Pentecostal. Oh, yeah. What's that supposed to mean? We are not a cult. Okay, so don't let anybody tell you we're a cult. We are not a cult. I know what a cult is, and we ain't one. If you take our declaration of faith and lay it up against to a Southern Baptist, it reads almost identical. We're fundamental evangelical. We just happen to have holiness and spirit-filled. So if we're a cult, so are the Southern Baptists. That's all I got to say. Some people say that we are purely emotional. Y'all you, you, you just get worked up. Well, we are emotional, but we're not just purely emotional. I could I couldn't stand being a religion in a religion where you don't, you're supposed to not feel anything. You know, you, you attend the first church of the Frigidaire. Some of y'all grew up in those, didn't you? I'm glad I come to a church where I'm allowed to get feel joy and laugh and and shout and feel all the gamut of. Yeah, we're emotional. We're just not only emotional. They will say that we are theologically lacking. Sorry, I have the same degree you do, and I can interpret the Bible the same way. If you want to go through hermeneutical principles and do a contextual, lexical, syntactical, historical analysis, I'll go with you all day long. We can talk Christology, pneumatology, angelology, demonology. Let's go. I'll go to Barbaritos. They got burritoology now. It's on the, it's on the wall. Okay, I can go with I can go whatever you want to do. We're not theologically lacking. It's quite the opposite. We have studied the scriptures and it is the scriptures that are dictating that we believe the Holy Ghost is still doing what he did 2,000 years ago and Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Behold, I'm the Lord God, I change not. Some have said that speaking in tongues is not real. It is. This is a scary one that it comes from the devil. Don't go there. Because that's when you start flirting with the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. The blasphemy of the Holy Ghost is when you attribute to the devil things that are the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't even go there. Some people will mimic speaking in tongues for a laugh. I don't like that. Never have liked it. Don't do that. If you've done that, don't do it. Stop. They, they used to call us holy rollers. How many of you ever heard that phrase, term, Holy rollers. How many of you have ever seen somebody actually roll in the floor under the power of the Holy Spirit? Let me see your hand. Anybody in this house? A handful of us. They don't do that as much anymore. you next generation. Y'all got to get with it. Call, they, 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 what happened was people would get filled with the Holy Ghost. They'd fall out. Now, that still happens. And then under the power of the Holy Ghost, they didn't know what to do. They'd just start rolling on the floor. So people made fun of them, called them holy rollers. And We're like, yep, I guess that's what we are. I'm going to tell you a cool story that I've told, but I'm going to tell this story. My grandfather, my Papal Star, was what he termed a good Baptist. I said, what's that, Papal? He said, man, I went to church and did all the right things. He said, but I wasn't saved. I guess that means you can be a good Presbyterian, good Church of God, I guess for that matter. And he said, somebody invited him to a Church of God revival. He was young. He went to that revival. And he said that night he got into conviction. He went to the altar and he gave his life to Jesus Christ for the first time in his life. They said, all right, you got to come back tomorrow night. The revival get sanctified. Now, that's bad theology, but that's the way they used to do it. So he came back the second night. And that night, he put his cigarettes on the altar, smoked, I don't know how many packs a day. He said, God, I want you to deliver me and set me free. You saved me. He put them on the altar. God touched him that moment. And when he got up from that point to the day my papal died, the smell of cigarette smoke would make him nauseated. God can turn it around. They said, you got to come back the next night and get baptized with the Holy Ghost. That's the way they used to do it. So Papaw came back the next night. They had no idea what that was all about. They got him in the altars and they prayed with him. The Holy Ghost was poured out on him. My Papaw started speaking in tongues. First time he ever did that in life, God filled him with the Holy Ghost. He had on he had one suit. It was a beige colored suit. He wore it to church because that's what you did back then. And my Papaw said when the Holy Ghost got on him, he rolled all over the floor in that little church of God. Here's the thing. They'd have dusty floors, so they would take used motor oil from the the garage down the street, and they would pour it on the floor, and they would take a mop and spread it out to keep the dust down. You can imagine how dirty that was. My papa rolled all over that floor in that beige suit and absolutely ruined it. Some people say that's stupid. That's foolish. Well, maybe it is. He got up that night, got in the car, went home. I said, Papa, what'd you do? Did you throw it away? He said, nope. He said, it was the only suit I had. He said, we didn't have a closet. He said, so every night I'd, I'd get the, the creases straight in the pants, and he said, I'd fold them over the back of a chair. He said, then I took the coat and I'd drape it around the arms of the chair, and that's where I kept my suit filthy. And I thought, he said, I told your mama, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow night. I want to go to the revival, but my suit's ruined. He went to bed that night, and this is a true story got up the next morning when he wiped the sleep out of his eyes and looked over there that suit was spotless and didn't have one thing wrong with it and it was clean and his joke was god sent an angel in the middle of the night and dry cleaned it he could go to the revival that night yeah you better give god praise that's worth celebrating that's a true story from my grandfather now you say well i don't want to know i don't i don't know about all that i don't believe all that really well let me just tell you about my papaw's a star. My papaw mamma had 3 boys, Bobby, David and Charles, and all 3 of my papaw got called to preach and pastored was a state overseer and preached the gospel all over the world. Had 3 boys all God called all 3 of them to preach. They preached the gospel all over the world. His grandson is pastoring this church preaching to you this morning. His son, my son is a pastor on staff preaching the gospel. That's a pretty good legacy for a guy that wasn't even saved and got filled with the Holy Ghost. That's better than having some alcoholic grand Father, had some uh, 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 grandfather that slept around with everything in a skirt. I'd rather have that kind of legacy full of the Holy Ghost and fire than something else. Isn't that the kind of legacy you want to leave your kids and grandkids? Don't you want them to say, My daddy's a spirit filled daddy. My mama's tongue talking. I heard my mama pray in tongues. My mama, your kids ought to hear up here and you sp- grow up here and you speak it in a heavenly language. Say, Pastor, it's not happen. It can if you just get filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't let the critics get to you. I'm going to use a Dabo Sweeney line. Imagine that in a sermon. Why would you accept criticism from somebody you wouldn't take advice from? I know you gamecocks don't like it, but go ahead and receive it. It's a word not from the Lord, from a Dabo. That's just good. Stay true to God's word. You know, the devil knows who's clothed with the power of the Spirit, he knows. So I just like to preach it like this. I'd rather be known in hell as a Holy Spirit baptized, anointed, tongue-talking, power-packed man of God rather than some superficial spiritual cut-up who can't pray his way out of a paper bag. That's the way I feel about it. Here's the third reaction. This was the best one, and it was the one that was by far the one that was the most, it was the broadest, if you will, in its Impact. Many, literally thousands, became desperate for God. That day, Peter preached Jesus and the gospel, and the Bible tells us in the book of Acts chapter 2 that thousands fell under conviction and cried, what shall we do? What are we going to do? Empty religion didn't cut it anymore. They wanted more, and they got saved. 3,000 men got saved. And what is great is Peter didn't let up on him at that point, but he challenged them that day. All right, you're saved, great, but you need what we just had, what you just heard. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Pray that God will fill you with the Holy Spirit. And so here's why I want to preach today. If you're not saved, get saved today. I love to preach the gospel. Can I give the Lord praise? I know I haven't got to talk to you, but last Sunday I preached in this church. It's a lot like our church. It was It was a lot of fun. It was great being up there with the pastor. He's doing a great job there. But I preached in the second service. I preached God is able. And the first point I preached is that God is able to save you. And I preached the gospel. And at the end of the message, I felt really, really led to the Lord. And I gave a, a, an invitation for people to be saved. And I said, who wants to be saved? Pastor, I want to be saved. Not, you know, do you want me to pray for you? I want to be saved. Y'all, seven people raised their hand last Sunday at that church. And we led them in the sinner's prayer. And seven people gave their life to Jesus Christ. Come on, can we celebrate what Jesus did? Just kind of giving you a report. I love to preach the gospel, and I love to watch Jesus save people. So if you're not saved, get saved today. But listen to me. If you are saved, here's my challenge to you. Get filled with the Holy Spirit because this is what God wants you to do. He wants you to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, be not drunk with wine in which is dissipation or excess, but be filled with the Spirit, and that is a command in the Greek. It is the heartbeat of God. You know, when you're saved, you receive the Holy Spirit to help you be like Jesus. When everybody gets saved, you get the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes inside of you. You can't be saved if the Holy Spirit doesn't live inside your body. So why do I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because he gives you the Holy Spirit to help you to be like Jesus. But when he baptizes you with the Holy Spirit, he clothes you with power so that you can do like Jesus. And there are people who will go through their life saved, and they are content enough to just be saved and live right and go to heaven and they don 't want to do anything for god they 'll do everything else in this world and guess what when you get to heaven you 're going to be standing over to the side you 're not going to get a whole lot from the Lord in, as far as rewards you 're going to, have to sit over there and watch everybody else and have regrets and say why didn 't I?" do what that preacher said and let God clothe me with power and operate in the power of the Spirit and go do things to further the kingdom of God. Meanwhile, those who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who let God use them at work and at home and wherever, and in church, through the power of the Holy Spirit, doing things for God, we're going to stand before God one day and the Lord will reward us for what we do for Him. But that's not why I do it. I do it because I just want to serve Him. And I want to show this world that Jesus is alive and He is the answer. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're not spiritually satisfied, if you have a hunger to go deeper in God, if you long to move beyond your present spiritual state, God is calling you on this Pentecost Sunday to pray for and ask for the baptism with the Holy Spirit. I want you to stand with me this morning. I want everybody in this place to come to the altar, and I want to tell you a story, and then we're going to pray. But I want you to just come. Everybody in the whole church, guests, visitors, everybody. I just If you leave, you're going to miss out. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.